Indeed, he is alive. All right, we're going to do a little bit of spiritual aerobics this morning. You ready? Everybody hold your hands up like this. All of them, get them up there. All right, finger exercises. One and two and one. and There we go, up and down and in and out. Up and down, in and out, up and down. Now you're probably wondering why you're all doing this. We got a lot of scriptures to go through today. So grab your phone, grab your Bible. I want to get those fingers ready. Whether you're typing or swiping or turning pages, go ahead and get them out. Because I've got a lot of stuff to share you. I'm going to give you a, a little forewarning. The first place we're going is Mark chapter 2. Alright, if you wonder where Mark is, it's in the New Testament. It's Matthew, Mark. Chapter 2 is just after chapter 1. They made it real easy. Alright, so you go ahead and, and turn there, flip there, swipe there, use those fingers. You worked them out a little bit. We are going to get on this. But let me ask you a question as you're turning there. Have you ever wondered what God is like? Is He good? Is He really holy? Is He just? Is He love? Have you ever wondered what God thinks about you? Like, I mean, like on a deep personal level. Have you ever wondered what God thinks about you? I want you to hold on to those questions in your mind this morning. As we look into our focal point, we're in a year-long series that's called Foundations. And every week we're, we're talking about foundational things. And I want to share with you, what I want to share with you today is going to come from two different passages of Scripture and four different stories that are just great illustrations about who God is, who, who Jesus is. And not only that, but how Jesus is able and how he is willing to not only forgive our sins, but to change our lives and to keep us safe. And so if you're writing some notes, the three things we're going to come circle back around to throughout this message is that God is able to forgive our sins. He is able to change our lives and he is able to keep us safe. And our first illustration of Jesus being willing and able to forgive our sins comes from Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now, this is a great story about Jesus preaching to a packed house, literally. And verse 1 says, when he had come back to Capernaum, several days afterward, it was heard that he was at a home. And many were gathered there together so that there was no longer room, not even near the door. That's like a preacher's dream right there. You can feel free to bring somebody with you next week and we can act that out. Not even near the door, there was no room. He was speaking the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Now, let me explain to you what that means. That means there's a man who cannot walk by himself. Paralyzed means your, your, your muscles don't work. We presume that he's paralyzed from the neck down because his friends carry him in on a pallet, if you will. So this man has spent, as we know, most of his life on a stretcher, basically, having others carry him around and care for him. And it goes on and says, being unable to get to him, him being Jesus, they couldn't get to Jesus because of the crowd. They removed the roof above him. How crazy would that be that I'm preaching and like the ceiling tile starts to crumble and somebody actually digs through the attic to, to bring somebody in. That's essentially what happened. They removed the roof above him and when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. Now that takes a lot of faith and trust in your friends to begin with. That... 
as a paralyzed guy that one, they're going to bring you to see Jesus. Two, they're like, hey, the building's full. And then one of his buddies says, hang on, I got an idea. We're going to go up on the roof and we're going to dig a hole in it because they could in the way houses were built back then. And then we're going to tie ropes to your pallet and we're going to lower you down. And he's probably like, yeah, that's a horrible idea. But he did, the Bible didn't go into all that. That's just my brain and how it works. But it, so they, they do that and they lower their friend down into the house in front of Jesus in verse 5. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, just for a moment, put yourself in his pallet. His friends bring him to see Jesus. They talk him into taking him up on a roof and lowering him down in front of Jesus and in the hopes that he's going to heal him. And Jesus says, Son, your sins are forgiven. Hold that thought for a minute as we answer the question, what does Jesus think about me? But also, verse 6 says, some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. He, who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus, aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves, said to them, that's the scribes, why are you reasoning about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic? And this guy is laying here the whole time, okay? It's, this is not like after the fact. He's laying here. It's kind of like when your, your friends start talking about you and you're in the room. <laughs> and here's Jesus saying, hey, why are you reasoning like this? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and pick up your pallet and walk? And this guy's laying here going, hey, I'm in the room, guys. Go on to the next slide. He says, then Jesus says, but so that you may know, and now he's talking to the scribes. So he's already, he's already talked to the, to the paralytic. Hey, your sins are forgiven, son. But now he's talking to the scribes. And he says, but so that you know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet, and go home. And he got up. And immediately picked up the pallet and walked out in the sight of everyone so that they were all amazed and the homeowner was angry because he had a hole in his roof. No, I'm sorry. I, and we're glorifying God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Amen. I want to be very clear here in this story, especially forgiveness equals salvation. And Jesus was not only able to forgive this man's sins, he was, he was willing to forgive this man's sins. And the funny thing here is that this man and his friends thought that what he needed was physical healing. See, they, they came in, they cut through the roof, they lowered their buddy on ropes to be in front of Jesus, and they wanted their friend to be healed physically. But Jesus took it to a whole new level. And he says to the man, Thanks for coming. Your sins are forgiven that have you ever gone to jesus asking or needing or expecting one thing and instead of getting what you thought you wanted you got something you didn't even know you needed like maybe 
you ended up with accountability that you weren't even looking for because you came to have a physical need met in a relationship or something like that. Maybe you've had a prayer that was answered in, in a completely different way than you expected. Yeah, He knows what you need. And He is willing and able to give you what you need. Even when you're like the paralyzed man asking for physical healing when you really need salvation, when you need something spiritual. He forgave this man and changed his life in one moment. And He is able. He's able to do the same thing in your life. Now my question is, are you like the paralyzed man and his friends, are you able to get before Jesus in order for your life to be changed? Because one way or the other, that guy was going out of that house a different person. His friends had faith that Jesus would heal him. I think he had faith that Jesus would heal him because he let his friends do something a crazy... I don't even think my friends would have done that in high school, and we did some crazy stuff growing up. They dug a hole in the roof and lowered him down. They were expecting something to happen. I don't think that the man was expecting Jesus to say, your sins are forgiven. And he did. Are you able to go before Jesus for your life to be changed? Do you have that kind of faith? Think about that as we continue on. The next place we're going is Matthew chapter 8. There's some other examples in Matthew chapter 8. And we're going to read verses 1 through 17. And then I'm going to break it down a little bit and go back and talk about these things. But I want to keep it all in context. And so we're in Matthew chapter 8, starting with verse 1. When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. And a leper came to him and bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. And, then, and when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he uh, comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. I say to you that many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. And verse 14 says, when Jesus had a very busy day. When Jesus came into Peter's home, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick in bed with a fever. 
And he touched her hand and the fever left her. And she got up and waited on him. And when evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were ill. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. There's a lot there. I hope you'll go back and, and read this a little bit more this week, but this first story I want to draw your attention to in Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, is teaching us that once again, Jesus is not only willing, but He's able to not just forgive our sins, but to change our lives. This account of the leper is interesting on many levels, not the least of because lepers were not only to be pitied in this culture, but they were religiously unclean. Physically, they were untouchable. And spiritually, they were defiled. That means that they, they not only were they themselves uh, cast away, but they were seen as contaminants of society. They weren't allowed to come spiritually. They weren't allowed to come uh, without going through a specialized cleansing process before they could come to worship. And so if you came in contact with a leper, if you touched a leper, you would also become unclean physically and spiritually. Uh, they would either cast them out to a certain area, or if they walked through town, they had to exclaim that they were coming through the village. Unclean! Unclean! What if you had to walk through life, going through Walmart? Unclean! Unclean! You should do that just as a social experiment and see what happens. Unclean! Unclean. Well, it depends on what Walmart you're in. Nobody would even notice. Because, oh, never mind. Um, but but that, that was a requirement. They had to let people know. Because if you brushed up against one, you could get it. And so, so if you came into contact with them, you would become unclean physically and spiritually. And, and you had to go through this process. Jesus should not have been touching a leper. All right? He knew better. Period. He knew better. He knew that he would become defiled by touching a leper. But here's what you need to know about Jesus. When he touches unclean things, he makes them clean. He doesn't become defiled, but his goodness emanates out of him, changing and transforming the most defiled things around him, including you and me. As a matter of fact, if you need proof of this, look around this room real quick. Look at, look at, look at each other. Don't look at me, look at each other. Hey, you were the ones last week that were shouting out that you aren't perfect, okay? So we've got it on video. You didn't know you would be part of a sermon illustration for this week's message, did you? But seriously, that's really the gospel message here in a nutshell in this story with the leper. This is the message of the cross. Paul said it like this. He said, he being Jesus became sin. He was made sin for us. He who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. He touched our lives. It's this great exchange where He takes our fallenness, He takes our sinfulness, whatever it is that defiles us, Jesus takes it and He changes us and He dispels it. And He's able now to give us His righteousness and He changes us and He cleanses us and it's amazing. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it well. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. 
Christ is able to change us. He can bring us from the darkness of sin to the light of His grace. And when He changes us, we should never be the same again. The next part in Matthew 8, verses 5-17, through 17, we see from this story, He's not only willing, but He's able. You've got the centurion coming out, and He's asking Jesus to help His paralyzed servant who's at home. In verse 7, Jesus' response is very simple. He said, I will come and heal him. Do you see the words? I will. Over and over again, Jesus says, I will. I will come and heal him. And the soldier, the centurion, felt unworthy. He told Jesus he's not even worthy of Jesus coming under the roof of his house. And yet he believed that because Jesus operated under the authority of his heavenly Father, because he was under God's authority, he had a delegated authority to him, and he was able to heal at just a word. He, didn't even, he said, you don't even have to come to my house. You just say the word. And this, under, this soldier understood a few things. He obviously understood that Jesus was the Son of God. He also understood the chain of command. And he got it. And it's amazing how sometimes the, the, the quote-unquote unchurched people can get stuff that we don't get. There were people all around Jesus who didn't get that he had the power to heal with just a word. And this centurion got it. And Jesus saw that he got it. And Jesus rewarded his faith and he showed him his authority. I love the part in the story where Jesus was showing him that all of heaven was behind what he was about to speak. And Jesus not only had authority, but he had the power to heal this man's servant. And all he had to do was say the word of authority. And he was willing to do it because of the faith of the centurion. Look at verse 9. The centurion says to him, I also am a man under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and he does it. And Jesus responds in verse 13, and he says to the centurion, go, it shall be done for you as you have believed it. It doesn't say that by the time he got home, the servant had been healed. It says the servant was healed that very moment. You see, distance wasn't even an obstacle because this man had the faith to recognize that Jesus has the authority over time and space. He had the authority to speak a word and it doesn't matter if you're on the other side of the world. Our Messiah is willing and able to forgive you your sins and to change your life and to keep you safe. Now let me ask you this. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you live like you believe that? Do you really understand the authority that Jesus has? Do you believe Jesus is able to fix you? As messed up as you all are, because you all admitted it last week. Do you believe Jesus has the authority and the ability to fix you? Do you believe that? Do you believe He's able to heal you? Whatever your issue, mental, physical, spiritual, do you believe He's able to change you? Maybe from addiction to a life without it. Do you believe he's able to change you? Maybe he's able, do you believe he's able to change you from, from angry and selfish to loving and kind and compassionate and generous? Whether you believe it or not, he is. Some of us simply have to get to the stage of believing that Jesus is willing and able to forgive us and save us and change us and provide for us. 
I don't know, maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. I want you to know my Jesus is able to save you no matter what you're into, no matter what you've been, no matter what has paralyzed you in this life. Jesus is crazy about you and he is willing and able to change you. Whatever your lifestyle has been, whatever choices or maybe other choices have been brought into your life, you are what you are and you are where you are right now, but Jesus is able. Do you believe he is able? Because he is. From the day that he confronted the centurion and healed his servant, he hasn't changed. He's still willing. He's still able. But you see, when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, not only does he save our souls, but he keeps us safe. And this third story tells us that he is willing and able because of the cross. Now, I'm not being specific to this story of Peter's mother-in-law. She isn't well. I have so many mother-in-law jokes come into my mind when I'm reading this that, you know, Peter's mother-in-law is sick, but he can't heal her. Or maybe he won't. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just saying. But Jesus comes in and he touches her. Again, because he's willing. And there's more that's happening here. It's not even the story about Peter's mother-in-law because there's this general description in verse 16. Picture this scene. When evening had come, They brought to him many who were demon-possessed and cast out, and he cast out the spirits with a word. There it is again. Word. If you go through this passage and look at Jesus speaking a word and the power of his word, he speaks a word and the centurion's servant is healed. He speaks a word and the demon-possessed are healed. When he says a word and he healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. You see at the cross, very simply, Jesus took upon himself not only our sin, but he took on what it means to live in a fallen universe. All the consequences of being sinful human beings. He took that on. He took it all. He bore our shame. He bore our guilt. He bore our bentness. He bore our iniquity. He bore our brokenness. He bore whatever it is you wanted to call it. He tasted death. The payment that should have been given to us for our sin. He took that. It says he took the the curse of the broken law upon himself on the cross. He was judged. In fact, every consequence of sin, Jesus bore on the cross, period. And that's why he cried, it is finished. Because there was no loophole, there was nothing left out of the equation of Calvary. And so now answer this question for me once again. What is God like? He is good. What is God like? He is holy. What is God like? He is just. What is God like? Because more than those things, God is love. What does He think about you? I'll tell you what He thinks about you. He thinks an awful lot about you. Because He sent His only Son to die for you. And if He's willing to do that, what is He willing to do to meet you here today? What is he willing to do to change your life, to reflect the glory of what Jesus did at the cross? Jesus is just the same as he always was. He still wants to touch lives. He wants to communicate the love of God the Father to humanity through the good news of his loving kindness to you today and then through you tomorrow. 
He wants to touch your life. Even if you're, you've been classed as untouchable or unclean in our society, or maybe religious people have looked down on you or looked down their noses at you your whole life and you just haven't understood it, it doesn't matter. Jesus is willing and He is able and He wants to forgive you. He wants to restore you. Maybe you're a Christian and you're thinking, well, what about me? I want you to know that Jesus is willing and able to fix your brokenness. Whatever it is that you've allowed into your life. Maybe you need to hear that He is able to deliver you from evil. A very deep evil. He says, yes. Isn't that brilliant? No matter what it is, Jesus says, I will deliver you from it. It's time for you to say like the leper, if you are willing, you can make me clean. You ever try to picture that scene in your mind? But the leper says to Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus doesn't just say, I am willing. The Bible says that Jesus reaches out. Picture this in your mind. What do you think the reaction and the response is of the leper? The man who's gone through his life, however long, having leprosy, being, having to call out unclean. People pulling away when he comes through town. And here's Jesus reaching out to him. Do you think maybe the leper pulled back? Whoa, whoa. Do you know what you're doing? Don't do that. You'll get it on you. I wonder if the leper thought that. Did Jesus know what he was doing? And maybe you're like that. Maybe you're backing off a bit this morning. Does Jesus really know what I've done? Does he really know what I've thought? Does he really know the things that I've struggled with? Does he really know what he's doing when he reaches out to me? Yeah, he knows. Not only does he know all that bad stuff about you, but he's willing and he's able and he knows that at the cross he has purchased the power to change your life and to save you and to care for you. And he says yes to you today. He says yes. Yes, he is able to save you to the uttermost. I love that word. To the uttermost. It means completely. It means entirely. To entirely save. You see, what Jesus did for us, He didn't do halfway. Entirely. He was all in. Look at 1 Timothy 1, chapters 12 through, or verses 12-17. through 17. So I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because He considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. In verse 15, it is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Yet for this reason I found mercy so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate His perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in Him for eternal life. Now, to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. That was Paul. That's what Paul says in 1 Timothy 1.15. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all, he claims to be the worst of sinners. Do you know what Paul did before he was a Christian? Yeah, he was a persecutor of Christians. He, I like to say that Paul was a disillusioned enemy of God. 
He thought he was doing something good based on tradition and history and what he had been brought up in. He thought he was doing something good. But God changed all that when he got Saul's undivided attention. And he said to Saul, why are you persecuting me? I want to tell you again, it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. Paul says, claims himself, I was, was the most offensive person. I was the worst of sinners. That's what Paul says. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been. Our Messiah is willing and able to forgive He's willing and able to change you from the inside out. He is willing and able to care for you. Simply put, Jesus paid the price for our sins. He is able to forgive. And He is willing to forgive. But are you willing to go to Him for forgiveness? 1 John 1, 7-9 says, But if we walk in the light, as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We can't save ourselves. We can't Keep ourselves saved. But He is able, if you are willing, consider that as we stand and sing our response song this morning. If you'd like to pray with the elders and see what this looks like for you, they, they're here, they'd love to pray with you this morning. Maybe for you, baptism is a response you need to make for the forgiveness of your sins, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The baptistry is ready. Consider what you've heard from God's Word this morning. And respond accordingly because He is willing and He is able to forgive your sins, to change your life, to save you. <laughs> it's been great to be here with you all this morning, to worship with you, to share God's Word with you, but now it's time to go. As you go this morning, go knowing that Jesus, our Messiah, is alive. Amen. Know that He is willing and able to forgive our sins, to change our lives, and to care for us now and for eternity. And as you go this morning, I want to challenge you to look for someone this week that you can share his story with. It's time for us to go to win and commit to grow in his word. Will you sing this last song with us?